So, Jeff, the, the, the place I want to keep starting with these conversations I've been having is with something so basic that it easily gets missed. It's kind of obsessed me all my life, which is I'm having this experience. You're having this experience. We're both getting older. What is it? Mm-hmm. You know, this strange mm-hmm. thing we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's astonishing. And, and it's good to remember that because we get in our grooves and, you know, we just take it all for granted. But, you know, I always love, Ken would talk about the first philosophical question is why is there something, why is there something instead of nothing? Yeah. You know, I mean, let's just pause there. Yeah. And then that's something, and, and we have an idea, actually. Science gives us an idea of how it came to be, sort of, in the sense that 13.8 billion years ago, nothing blew into something and has been complexifying, differentiating, and integrating ever since until it winds up with you and me having this conversation here right now. I know. Isn't that just, I mean... You know, we're an echo of the Big Bang. Just to... Just to what I love about that vision you've just laid out is to... It, 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 woo, and yeah. It's like, it, there's a lovely line I came across with Brian Swim, the cosmologist, saying, you know, what we've learned is if you take hydrogen and you wait long enough, it learns to sing opera. Exactly. And, it, and you, the, what yeah. I love about that vision is you get yeah. a we are that, yeah, having exactly. reached this. Yeah, a big mess of hydrogen has turned into us, you know. Yeah, and then you're like, why? Yeah. And of course, you know, there's sort of two questions that human beings are always asking in every culture and time, and that is, who am I and what am I doing here? Yes, you know, basically. That's it. Uh, and, um, and, and, and science gives us, you know, an answer in a sense to the first, in that we can sort of trace our lineage back to that big mess of hydrogen. But the second one, you know, which religions have always sought to answer aren't really answered by modernity and scientific, you know, knowledge. Why are we here? Um, and so, you know, people get sort of stuck there. They've been, they're, they're, they're long past being able to go back to a mythic or magical spiritual world. And so they're left on a, you know, rock hurtling through space. And why? I don't know. I, that's, you know, in my latest book, Soul Story, it starts with exactly that thought. It's like there is a, there is a soul crisis yeah. happening yeah. because the old religious ideas seem to have fallen to bits and, and they seem irrational now. They don't, you know, they don't hold, the world wasn't created in seven days right. and, you know, it may mean something, but it, we can't take it literally. Right. And then the, the alternative seems to be this incredible body of scientific knowledge, which is literally soulless. It doesn't address that level. It's just right. incredibly good at causality. Yeah. And can't possibly go into this other area, right. like, and why? What am I? And what, especially, although I love my experience of the physical world, what's this experience I'm having all the time of a non-physical world, full of ideas and... This other thing where we're connecting now, yeah. where I, where I, while our bodies, you know, sit in the chair, yeah. it's all happening nowhere. Yeah. But that, and th- so this nowhere, this yeah. psyche or soul, yes. has come from this material causal world. Yes. 
and then and it's going yes why have i come from this causal world yeah. and what what should what am i yeah and yeah well maybe it did and maybe it it's sort of the, the continued uh reality of what was happening before the big bang okay i mean what i, do, I, do I mean, mean i i don't know what that is necessarily but uh, if we're talking about consciousness and the materiality of the interior world and consciousness, it's, it's, no, it's not there. You know, I mean, yeah. scientism and scientific materialism would tell us that it's just a sort of a function of the neural synapses of our brain. Yeah. But it may be more than that. It may be that there's, there's just a dimension of reality that is consciousness, for lack of a better word, and we're more receivers for that then we are generators of that. And maybe we're both, I, I, I don't know. But um, it's an awesome mystery. And you know, worthy for you know, a lot of contemplation. So, so one, of the, uh, one of the ideas which I've played with. Firstly, I've, I started finding it necessary to take this word consciousness and really push it. Mm -hmm. Because I find that we use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And they often mean different things. Yeah. It's like there's consciousness where it, suddenly, where it refers to all of the all experience. It's, there's all this conscious experience I'm having and that gets called consciousness. Then there's, but there's also unconscious experience. Like I'm not aware of what's behind me, but now I am because I'm thinking about it. So there's, or when I'm asleep and the alarm goes off, I'm clearly having experience but I wasn't conscious of it, and then I'm conscious. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of consciousness. And then there's kind of big C consciousness, where people often put at the beginning of the universe, mm -hmm. there's, there's something, a, mm -hmm. a subjectivity. Mm -hmm. and that's different again. Mm -hmm. And then there's consciousness where it refers to all of the contents of the psyche. Mm -hmm. So I've started thinking, is there a way in which we can kind of clear that up? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and then, like you, I'm going, okay, so... One thing that does seem to have happened in, in the process of emergence is that from non-material life has come life, mm -hmm. and then from life has come sentience. And at a certain point, I don't know where exactly, sentience is clearly conscious in that it registers itself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's a lot which interests me about that, but that's happened. And then another jump again to this world of images, mm -hmm. which seems where it's not just conscious of sentience, but it's conscious of images. And there seems to be a flow through that. So I'm kind of playing with this. Is it, is it is a, is a hypothesis? Is it to say, look, that th what we're in is the realization of these potentials on ever more emergent levels? Is that a, a, one narrative which connects mm -hmm. it all that, that all of this is, that, you know, like this can only arrive after this mm -hmm. and that we've right. reached this. So that literally, the material world has led to a non-material soul. Yeah, again. Yeah, something which is really about causality <laughs> yeah. has led to something which is about yeah. narrative and story and concepts. Right. And, well, know? one of the things, I, and you can talk to Ken about this when you see him, um, but one of the things that Ken's integral aqua model really has helped me with, and I, I'm not exactly sure it's right, but it's different. It's different than the idea of, uh, you know, material turning into noetic, turning into spiritual. Uh, it's that all of those are online all the way down. Yes. So to speak. So that even a quark has an upper left quadrant dimension of a little tiny piece of consciousness. 
You know, it's just a little tiny thing, but it has a little tiny uh, creativity, a little tiny even intentionality, you know, as long as we take it down to the, the, the appropriate, uh, you know, uh, level. Devil. Yeah. Uh, and that always sort of made sense to me. I like that too. That it's conscious all the way up. So I guess, I, I guess I, I, I've ended up, because my own ideas keep moving, I've ended up feeling like, not sure I want to use the word conscious for that. Yeah, I know. And I've started to use... And, and Ken does it. I, he does No, he, I'm being fast and loose. You know, here. and it's like, it's like the panpsychism idea where yeah, they exactly. say it's all got totally. soul. It feels like, no, sure, yeah. it has all got soul. Yeah. So what's the thing it's all got? Right. So the thing I've been trying out is to say, hmm, it's, what, what arises straight away with emergence is individuation. Things become individual things in time. And each thing which you can say is an individual, Ken, may you call it a holon. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think of it as a time stream because I see it as moving, that everything is process. But it's the same thing. Has got a, it, it, by definition, then, it has a relationship with everything else. And everything, even a hydrogen atom, is relating in some way to the, to the whole, which means that right away there's subjectivity and objectivity. Mm-hmm. And the subjectivity is that individual thing's relationship to the whole, mm-hmm. and the whole is the objectivity. So that what's happening with the evolutionary process is a, a, a movement of subjectivity and objectivity t- in tandem, because it, mm-hmm. it's a fundamental schism which allows anything to be. Yeah, exactly. And then that object, that subjectivity and objectivity will start as electrochemical relationships, will become sentient relationships will become conceptual relationships yeah. as, it, as it comes through. Yeah. And, it's, and, and so like you said, what I love about that is it, yeah, this is, in, this is something integral to the nature of what existence is, right. which is flowering onto these other levels. Right. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's an interesting sort of uh, relationship as we l- look at human development uh, that is often cited in integral thinking. And that is that one of the engines of evolution, particularly of consciousness evolution or cultural evolution, is the evolution of, of of a human being through the stages of development, is that at each stage, the object or the subject becomes a new object of a higher subject. That's so, really interesting. You know, so, so, yeah, go, say yeah. some more about so, that. So the, one of the engines of evolution is that, so I'm Jeff. I, 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 am, I know who I am and I, I have this, this um, subjectivity. The more I look at Jeff and the, through meditation or sometimes it's just spontaneous awakening or whatever, and I start seeing Jeff as an object, I can see his behaviors, I can see the mind stream, I can see all of the things that are going on, and I can see, it as, see them as objects now. It's, these are new objects in my bigger subject. And so that's the nature of evolution. We just get bigger, a bigger and bigger subject that includes more and more. I love that. I do too. I love that. Cause I, so I would see that, in, it, this is exactly the same, I'm just going to say it back to you really, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I would see it like that... that so one of the things in the way I've started to think is that I often, I often, it often seems like people assume that the subjectivity of the body is the psyche. And I don't see it like that hmm. anymore. I see the subjectivity of the body as sentience. Hmm. Okay. And then there's this other level which has its own objectivity and subjectivity. Mm-hmm. And the subjectivity is imagination and images... 
And the objectivity is also imagination and images, and we're sharing that objectivity on that level now through speech. So that there I go, okay, so, so the, uh, like the eye of the body is, is I can get into that, and it's, it seems to be centred in my head because that's where I look out of, and it's mm-hmm. visceral, and it's a particular place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fixed. I can't, you know, it's like here I am. That's it. And, that, and then I come out into the soul, into the psyche, and now like, you see, that's now an object. Mm-hmm. That's like, ah, here the eye is Tim. And it's the ego, if you like, or it's the, 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 and it's full of my story. Mm-hmm. And that's a bigger thing. And it has a relationship with this body, which is sentient. And it's up there thinking thoughts and it's um, you know, going off having dreams and doing all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like most of us are located now. And then there's another jump that happens with awakening, where suddenly I'm, there's this deep, formless being. Mm-hmm where I'm in the same relationship with Tim that Tim is in relationship mm-hmm. with the body. Like you said, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now I'm looking at Tim, mm-hmm. and what am I? I'm something which has no qualities other than being. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly I'm the being of everything. Right on, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, are you familiar with um, uh, Ken's Aqua model, the, the, the growing up versus waking up? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love it that. seems like... Deep. Some of that in, yeah. in what you're saying yeah. is that, you know, there's a waking up development that's happening, too, as we just become uh, more and more aware of our, you know, oneness, if you will. Yeah. And, 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 and that's a spiritual. So the people can have that kind of an awakening at every stage of vertical development. Yeah. So if you have a a mystical experience at the traditional stage of development, you might see it as a, a Virgin Mary visit or, you know, or speaking to, from God or something yeah. like that. And we interpret it as we go. But, and I like that too. It's very deep. Because it helps, um, you know, when we talk about consciousness development and, you know, it, when, when we're all, we're looking at it all in terms of vertical development, it's like, so what do you have to say about people who had these brilliant spiritual insights Back, you know, three and four thousand years ago. Yeah, they're you know they're as good as the spiritual insights now. Oneness is oneness then. Oneness is oneness now, but we have all these vertical stages that have come online in the meantime. But so we can make that distinction, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that too, and I, I love. I'm a big fan of those simple phrases like waking up and growing up because yeah. it really helps. Yeah, and there's a kind of principle that underlies what I do. Well, I call it power. Excuse me, I call it paralogical thinking rather than monological thinking, which is, and I don't know how this fits with the integral thing. I, I think it does, but I've never, it's great to, I can ask you. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's, quite, it's quite, I tend to think in, in, a, in a polar way rather than quadrants. And mm-hmm. I always, it seems always to come back to a two-ness. Mm-hmm. That's a fundamental about the nature of duality. Mm-hmm. That it's two and one at the same yep. time. Yep yin-yang paradox. Yep. So I tend to think, in, I'm always looking for these opposites that are opposites that are actually complementary opposites, that complement each other, and those seem like that. That there's, a, there's something, well, like in this moment now, when I look at it, it seems like, oh, there is something which is always the same, this timeless presence of, of my being, witnessing this continually flowing, evolving mm-hmm. process of time, mm-hmm. which is just changing and literally growing because it includes the past. Mm-hmm. It's just more and more and more, and Tim is a bit more, a bit more, and then something doesn't change. And the waking up always feels like you can touch that eternal timeless thing at any process really in that can. change. Yeah. And yeah. when you do, 
Well, for me, when I do, if I really go into it, this is, it embraces it and there's this love. Yeah. This immense love. Yes. But Tim may not be wise enough to live that love. Yes. He has, he's constantly trying to get wise yeah. enough to, to live right. this that comes and came when he was a kid and came again and came again and keeps coming. Yeah. And yet within that, hopefully, Tim is slowly getting wise enough to be able to do a bit more embodying yeah. of that. Yes. Is that. Is that the same idea? Yeah. It, it, it's certainly my experience of, um, you know, just continuing to soften and break the ego boundaries and to have more of a, you know, a, a bigger view of, of, of it as it's arising, which leads me to a question for you. And that is, um, so what happens, this is what I've always wanted to ask philosophers, what happens when we die, oh, Tim? Well, that's uncanny, because that was the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I, one, of the, one of the things that made me write my book Soul Story, and put an awful lot of time into thinking about these things, was because I was finding a lot of evolutionary thought was brilliant at linking a lot of spiritual concepts to a lot of uh, scientific concepts. But I wasn't comfortable. I hadn't found anything which had addressed death. And what I see in spirituality is, is all about death. Not all, but a lot. A lot. And the essential idea there is that this thing we're experiencing, the soul, mm-hmm. doesn't die. So my, and my own experience of being around death is that something amazing happens, something tragic happens, and, ah, and mm-hmm. also something, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I've ended up is wanting to... Tr- what I've wanted, I, I don't know if I'm there yet or not, but I, what I've wanted was a way of holding my head up high intellectually and going, I don't think the soul dies without sounding like I'm an idiot, an idiot or mm-hmm. it's just woo-woo, or it's like, mm-hmm. you're not man enough to face the truth, or, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, he, so my own feeling is, and this is why I talked about it at TEDx, I took the risk and mm-hmm. talked about the immortal soul. In my own feeling is that what's happened is that these different levels have emerged in, in, this, in, in this emergent process, but that... Once we've reached that level of, of, of let, me come, let me do it again. Let me say, one of the, the metaphors which I find helpful is this idea in physics that if you get down small enough, it's, you need to talk about information rather than things. Mm-hmm. Because that's a great metaphor for our time, because we deal with information. And therefore, you can see this whole evolutionary process as one of information evolving. So this is a level of information and so is this. I point here because it's nowhere. This, this thing where we're actually, where the meaning is happening. You know, here's the funny noises. Here's the meaning. Mm-hmm. That level of information. That it's reached a place now where it exists non-materially and therefore is not affected by materiality in the same way. And the metaphor, and it's very crude, but here you go. The metaphor that I've been sharing with people just to get across the beginnings of where I've ended up, is to say a bit like, if you think of information on a computer, that we, when you've got it locally on the computer and it dies, you'll lose all the information. But if, you've, if it's simultaneously on, an, on the cloud, mm-hmm. 
this can die and the information mm-hmm. still exists. And my mm-hmm. sense is, right now, we're existing as information on the biological level mm-hmm. in tandem with information which is on a non-material soul level, which is a whole domain of reality. Mm-hmm. It's not a side effect of anything. It's a whole mm-hmm. domain which you can go off and explore. And, mm-hmm. and that what happens when we die is that this part of us, which is temporary and, and, and material, can hold together for so long and dies. Mm-hmm. And that's what biological things does. But this, it's not in its nature to. Mm-hmm. And, so, and the way I frame that is to go, I'm experiencing this flow of sensation. That's the body. I'm a flowing flow of imagination. That's the soul. So when the body dies, the sensation ceases, but the imagination continues. Mm-hmm. And when I look at people who've had near-death experiences, it looks like that. Mm-hmm. It looks like dreams, mm-hmm. but not as something unreal, but as the most emergent level of reality. Yeah. So that's what I'm playing with. And then, then you get almost look, when you go through the spiritual literature and start looking at what people have said about heaven, if you like, mm-hmm. it feels like, oh, look, it's evolving. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a domain of reality that is, is itself yeah. evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find I, I intriguing. Uh, why wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, everything else does. Yeah, because it's made of all the images. So you yeah. start with the shades, it's hardly there, and then it's going to become the drinking halls of Valhalla, which mm-hmm. is your life, but as you'd wish it would be. And then uh-huh. it's going to become religious and saints and right. or Buddhas, and, and now it's everything. I just don't want it to be ugly and full of dragons. And, I mean, neither. You know. Yeah, I guess. And, and I'm not entirely. I used to be sure that that wasn't the case, but I'm not so sure. I don't know what to think anymore. Well, I mean, I'm talking to people I know and respect who are into aliens and who are <laughs> into, you know, psychedelics. And, um, and you know, that's good. I, I, I'm happy to have my paradigm sh- shaked. Uh, but it leaves me in a little bit of a don't know space, I got to say. You, you feel don't know with death? Somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a deep place. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, actually, I'm sure you've picked this up from everything I believe is predicated on don't know. Yeah. The lot. Everything. I, 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 the whole well, thing. I, I think that's, you know, if you're smart enough, at some point you have to get there. I mean, because we don't know. No. Now, what I will say is that as I know in a, in a way less, even though I know more, um, I, I trust the system more than I used to. That's where it comes from from me, Jeff. Yeah. The whole thing, there's a little in my book where I make this confession near the end where I go, look, really, this whole intellectual system that I'm so desperately trying to lay out in a rational way that makes sense, it's all to prop up just intuitions that arise when I feel really awake. Like, this is good. Yeah. Well, how can this be good? Because it's awful. Yeah, I know. But it's good. I know. And and the same with death. There's a deep intuition. Look, it's okay. It's safe. Yeah. Yeah. How can it be? That's, that's, I but love that. Ram Das, one of his it, it, favorite it, lines, death is perfectly death, safe. Safe. I, yeah. It's taken from him. I, yeah. Yeah. I, had, I had the privilege when I was much younger. I used to be a musician. And I did a rave track, dance track, with Ram Das. Oh, you did? Which ended with him going, death is perfectly safe. <laughs> Doesn't that give a new meaning to the word safe? Yes, <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. And, uh, so that's kind of bedded in me. Yeah. Yeah. So those deep intuitions of goodness, of safety, of this is amazing. Yeah. Which are, don't you think the more you get the waking up, yeah. the more there's this kind totally. of confidence yeah. this, with faith. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned near-death experiences. And also people who have had, um, you know, basically religious experience or mystical experiences... Uh, very often lose their fear of death. Yeah, and that's that's something. 
It's, it's, it's astonishing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. wonderful, amazing. It's, and it's good information to know. So the place I'm playing with with it, because it fits with my intuitions, and I just think, well, can I make sense of that, is it's the imagination. That's what it is. You know, the Sufis, the, the imaginal realms. It's mm -hmm. the, the, we're in it now, and, and if that's true, then I suspect there may be dragons, because the imagination's full, <laughs> of, ev nice full of everything. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the dragons will be nice to you, oh, Jeff, I hope so. because you're so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, 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 there's, the, the, there's, an, there's an element of, it's a bit like, well, look, we're already like that. You mm -hmm. know, you could go to bed tonight and sleep and go into a deep dream and you could go, oh, it could be an awful dream. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, it could be. But I know. Right. And, and sometimes they are. I mean, I, I don't always have great dreams, but um, I, I will say that once I wake up and realize it was a dream, it was like, oh, that's, you know, no problem. It's after yeah. coffee. Yeah. You know, and uh, I forget who, it might have been Ram Das even, talking about death as being similar to that. Yeah. Where it's like, whoa. That was a trip. Yeah. You know, what the... You yeah, know. I, I feel like that's how... Yeah, that, yeah that's... But, it. you know, thank God that's over. And, and let's get and on with something, it. And there's something... The idea, which seems to be prevalent, that you could be here for whatever, you're 70, 80, if you're lucky, whatever years, have all of this happen and no debriefing at all. I know. It's just like... I, it just, doesn't seem right. Just... Uh, no. Yeah. It doesn't that, seem there's fair. There's a level of absurdity yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I agree. So here's, my, here's another idea. What do you make of this? Well, I'm, one of the things I played with, this at TEDx as well, just to see what they make of it, is that you've got this evolutionary process. It's led to greater and greater individuation. And as that's happened, the subjectivities become more pronounced until it's become sentient and conscious and the imagination and, and us here. Like, whoa. Is it that, you know, death arises on the biological level with life? And death is absolutely essential for the evolution of species. Because without it, it couldn't happen. So death is brilliant. You know, you live, you get rid of that. Next lot, next lot, next lot. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. But what if the evolution... But that, none of that was happening before there was life. That's a particular thing that happens with the evolution of life. It didn't happen with the evolution of the chemical... Okay. Yes, life. Hydrogen so atoms are still here. Yeah, they're just doing their thing. Yeah. This is a new phenomenon. So what if evolution evolves? Itself evolves. So it evolves into the evolution of life, and then it reaches a point where psyche emerges, this other world, and then it's no longer primarily about the evolution of species. It's now about the evolution of individuals. And death is great for the evolution of species, but it's disastrous for the evolution of individuals, mm -hmm. which is why we, rec rec re we go, oh, that would be so... Mm -hmm. And that's because it has evolved onto this level of permanence because it's about individuals now. Mm -hmm. And then that's where spirituality kicks in, because mm -hmm. it's always known. Mm -hmm. It was about the evolution of individual souls mm -hmm. through the transmigration of the soul, moving in and out of... Right biological, you know, like a symbiotic relationship with a biological entity and then out again, moving between these realms. And that all of that perennial wisdom, although it needs to be updated, has been always pointing to, ah, and we've worked our way backwards, really. We've gone, here is the evolution of souls. Yeah, oh, that's come from the evolution of biology. Interesting. Yeah. And that's come from the evolution of the whole cosmos. Wow. Yeah. And that's one thing. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, and what one of the things that does... 
it, aside from just sounding fair, you know, after all this work, you know, and all this trouble, that I don't just get snuffed out. Uh, but it also adds meaning. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, everything I do matters to my immortal soul. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, and that matters to Even me. Even every thought I have. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not that great at controlling all of that. But at least I know, uh, philosophically, now, that if I have an immortal soul, then this all matters yeah. very deeply. Yeah. 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 Well, there's two things which, which come to me from that. Is um, it, One of the things which I'm fascinated to look at is time. Partly because I hear people dismissing it all the time. It's like, it's an illusion. And all. No. You can't, you, you can't even say the sentence, time is an illusion, without time. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. And then when I've looked at it, and this is, I think, feeds into exactly what you just said, I feel like, oh, we've got this analogy in English that time passes. But in a way, it doesn't pass. In a way, it accumulates. And there's just more of the past all the time. And the past hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> Everything that's ever happened is here. Yeah. Because this moment is is predicated on yeah. everything. Yeah. The Big yeah. Bang, you know, yeah. us getting born, learning to speak English, yeah. other people developing the... Everything. Yeah. And so, in a way, things are made of time. Everything is made of the past. Yeah. And what's happening now, which is so delightful, is everything Jeff's ever been is meeting everything Tim's ever been. Yeah. And that's, that's our something. souls. We're made of that. Yeah. We can't lose that. Nothing yeah. can be lost. Yeah. yeah. Ever. Yeah. And that, that, I find that a deeply satisfying And also deeply meaningful. Yeah. You know, so it all matters. I mean, what you're putting into that storehouse or what you're putting into that sea of, of history matters. Yes. You know. So let me ask you, how are people responding to this? What are you seeing in terms of, um, you know, progressive spirituality in general? You're in England. Yes. And we're here. and. Yeah. You know, seeing any differences, and you know, we're, we're evolutionaries here, so we're seeing that there's a movement in history. Yeah. What's what's what do you see as the frothy edge there? The frothy edge. I just want to <laughs> enjoy that lovely image. Uh, what a great question, Jeff. I, I'm I'm seeing uh, something is happening. I think it is smaller than I would like. But there is a, an increasing number of people who are looking for what I would call a rational spirituality. I mean, I live in Glastonbury, which is a center for every mad thing you can imagine. It's very colorful. I love it, but that's what it is. Um, and I see a lot of that. But I do see this movement through. So there is the, the, what I find is that when I can, if I can be clear enough, if I can put in the work to tell the story with enough clarity for people, I find more and more people come up to me and say actually the thing I, I love the most, which is, thank you, you just said what I've been trying to think. So that means that they are also trying to... Um, so I'm optimistic that it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, but yeah. smaller and slower. But smaller know? and slower. And I yeah. think also there's a need for... Um, I feel like, you know, where my particular contribution kind of fits in maybe with, with yours and Ken's and, and others 
is that, I mean, what I love about the integral is it's really integral. I mean, it's like right down to a lot of information and how you can pull this stuff together. And I admire that immensely. And then sometimes people drown in it. And then what I'm interested in is what's the big overall, overall story about life and death and meaning? And, you know, I'll deal with the evolution of from the basics matter into, in a few sentences mm-hmm. and move on to, so that you can get that. And that, I think, I think can work as an introduction in some way or get that. I want to establish the simple narratives mm-hmm. that make sense. But, mm-hmm. they, but it's hard to do that because yeah. it, you know, it has to be strong. Yeah. So you can't be pushed over. Yeah. And people have to be ready. And people I mean, have to don't be ready. You, do you realize? I mean, you know, if, if, if somebody's... Uh, this is where Integral, in terms of the developmental piece, really, I think, helps a lot. Is that, you know, the, the uh, emergence is alive in all of us. And everybody gets to be where they are. Ken talks about that all the time. And, uh, you know, people who are at a traditional level and uh, with a mythic kind of a... Uh, you know, interior. Yep. They get to believe myths. Yep. And they should believe myths. That's what should be happening. Now, the problem with that, of course, uh, in in the world, is that those people tend to be ethnocentric, and one myth is at war with the other myth, and yep. so we have to notice that too. You know. But I think a lot of what's happening in terms of the uh, edge of evolution, if you will, is cultural. I mean, as the world has become uh, so intertwined uh, that we just basically can't help but bump into each other, sometimes, you know, tragically, uh, and also just get really interested in each other. And that there is, you know, especially for, you know, I would say if, if we're talking about the developed world and, you know, Britain and the States and, and others, that the idea that for a certain percentage of people, it's not enough anymore to have just one of these one or the other perspective and one or the other worldview. I mean, if you think even of the the states with Trump and you know all of what's happening there, uh, we just have to turn and face each other in a way that we haven't before, and it's it's. It's ugly, but as I often say, evolution is beautiful but not pretty. You know, and we really do fight our way forward. And what's good about the way we fight our way forward now is that we do it, you know, there's still people doing it with bombs and guns. But, you know, it, that there's a vanishing, there's a vanishing point there. Um, but... We're doing it in some ways in what we would call the subtle realms. I think you might call it the imaginal realms or the the realms of ideas. Yeah. You know, we're doing it on the comments sections. Yeah. You know, that's where we're assassinating each other now. Yeah. And And that's a big step forward. (laughs) It's a huge step forward. It's, you know, far less bloody, but still, you know, ugly as sin, you know, and and, and really, 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 really hard for people. You, are you optimistic with that? I mean, I'm just having you said that just as a thing, I, I find myself a lot having to, wanting to say to people, it's better than you think. Yeah. And, and you, know, I, you know, my father fought in a war when the whole world went up in flames. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a war. Oh, I know. That's so rare. 
I'm an Englishman who's never fought in a war. No. You know, Europe has yeah. been pretty much at peace. Yes. That's never, you know, yes. you know, the transformation in the way we treat women as people who yes. would be dismissed as sexually deviant are now fine. Yes. And massive changes. Astonishing. And, 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 and a lot of this is just the, due to modernity. This is the upside of modernity. Absolutely. You know, because, I mean, you could have a, a traditional heart is basically, I hate to say this, genocidal in the sense that you think that your God and your way is, it, it, it will triumph. Yeah. And so the other ones and have should. to. And should. Yeah. And that's the way it and is. your duty is to make sure that happens. Exactly. Or, it, 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 you know, it's your God, it's your religion, it's your and race, it, and it's if it whatever it is. your God's punishing you because you didn't do it well enough. Exactly. And so we had this sour spot in history where we had cultures with traditional hearts, but modern weaponry. Yeah. So we have, you know, the traditional interiors and modern exteriors. And that was, you know, I just did a, a, an episode on the um, um, They Shall Not Grow Old, the documentary about World War I that Peter Jackson did. It's, oh, that's just out. stunning. Yes, it? fabulous. Oh. And you see, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you can see how bad it can get. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we could take some heart in seeing that, what, had, what happened, particularly after World War II, after people saw you know, the concentration camps, the nuclear, the, the whole thing, that we got modern in the interiors. And modern in the interiors means that we no longer see our way forward as conquering the other. The way forward is to trade, to yeah. be friends, yeah. to marry, to, you know, and, and that... And that's the way forward. Uh, conquering and colonizing another country is too much trouble at this point. And we can actually have a better life if we just all cooperate. That's a deeply modern interior revelation. And that's reliable. Once people get that, um, you know, there are certain life conditions that could, you know, if you find yourself in a war zone, you can go back down real quick. But I think we can rely on this sort of pacification. You know, the historians call it the great peace. Yeah. Since 1945 in the developed world, really? you know, Thomas Friedman talked about the golden arches principle, that no country with a McDonald's has ever gone to war with another country with a McDonald's. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and that's a good rule of thumb. Because, <laughs> what, yeah, because you know, exactly. Yeah. Once the McDonald's is there, you know, we have a pretty modern kind of thing yeah. going. We don't fight with each other. You know, it's crazy. And so that's also true in terms of us as individuals. Now, we fight with each other in terms of ideas because that's our new weaponry. But we're not fighting together in terms of, you know, oppressing each other in that kind of, uh, you know, in that gross physical realm. So where, if that moves through postmodern and integral, mm -hmm. what's the integral look like to you? What is that? Oh, what is that? What yeah. is that? What is that world going to could, yeah. What could it be? Yeah. Well, the, the integral project, if you will, is to uh, basically reintegrate uh, what has been left behind. And there's a whole new emergent that comes from that. But from an integral perspective, we want to see the gifts of each of these previous stages. So the sensitivity of postmodernity, you know, where, you know, after, and then that came online big time after World War II. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, one way of looking at it is people all of a sudden got nice. And it mattered that you're nice. 
and uh, that you're sensitive to other people and we get really curious about our interiors and therapy and psychology and all of that good stuff comes online. And there's so much of that that's really good. Now we can see how that can become totalitarian. And we've talked about that. We talked a little bit about that earlier, but you know, that the, the, there's a certain mean green um, manifestation that can, but every stage yeah. has a mean quality to it. Yeah. And so there's the, the stage before green, which is orange, modernity. And so that's where, you know, the individual comes online. Mm. And my goal is not necessarily to be obedient, but to be successful and to achieve and to express myself. And I'm no longer trying to um, overcome the other. I wanna, I'm curious about the other. You know, it's just all of what I was talking about. Now, the downside of that is it de- disenchants the world. You know, all of a sudden, everything is explained in terms of the exteriors, in terms of the matter and meat and atoms, instead of meaning and consciousness and whatever we want to call it, but that whole interiority that used to be the stuff of life before modernity, you know. And so we don't want that. We don't want that, that you know, alienation and disenchantment. We want to leave, you know, we, we want the good part. And so, you know, so we go back to traditionalism. And we can see the downside of traditionalism. It's ethnocentric. It's violent. You know, it's not nice to women and gay people. Uh, None of them are. Uh, But what they are is they're loyal. And they they take duty and discipline seriously. And they do want to be obedient. And, you know, we may not want to be obedient to the God of the, you know, 4,000 years ago Israelis or uh, Jews, but we want to be obedient to sort of the rules of life, you know, and, and to sit up straight. And, you know, a lot of the stuff P- Peterson talks about, the, yeah. you know, you yeah. know yeah. sit up straight with your shoulders back, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and, you know, and take responsibility. And that. so we want that. Uh, and then we go to the stage before that, which is what we call the red stage or the warrior stage. And of course, that's violent, and that's the, where the patriarchy began, and it's you know one gang and one empire fighting the other, and you know swords, and you know it's the superhero stage, in a way. But what is also great about it is it's heroic. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we get a sense that we're actually here to be heroes, and that we want to be powerful. Yeah. And uh, we want to you know we, we want to be able to cut somebody's head off if necessary, you know, that sort of thing. So we want that juice back. And so much of, if you look at particularly progressives, they're afraid of their juice. You know, we we tend to uh, uh, marginalize these stages as we transcend them. You know, we get, you know, we get sick of them is what happens. And then we move forward. But we want that. And then the stage before that, which is the, what we call the magenta or tribal stage, and the archaic stage before that. But this is the world of magic, you know, where the world is alive, you know, and, and, and we're embedded in nature, and every tree, and every fox, and every cloud, and every person that we meet has, you know, something to tell us, and we're all here in this enchanted place. And we want to re-enchant the world in that way. So you put all of that together, uh, and, you know, in reality, through history, those stages or those worldviews have been at war with each other. But at the integral stage, we, st- we stop the war. We, we say, what's right about each one of you? And what's precious 
about each one of you? And what is it about each of you that, you know, I, I get what's wrong with you, but what's right with you? What do you see that I don't? And that becomes the whole project, you know, or, or a big project of the integral, you know, view. And Wow. Yeah. That was so beautifully described. <laughs> that was just like each one just came alive. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I completely get that. And, and the way that you framed it was just... And that being able to differentiate the, you know, something by the paralogical thinking, it's like, of course, there'll be one, a side where it's like, whoa, but there, there is something in there. And that's yeah. a beautiful insight. Yeah, and, and it really helps, um, you know, sort of even in day-to-day life, where, you know, we have our political enemies. And we're also aware of our, in some ways, we've, the tribal thing has come back online in a new way. Yes. You know? yeah. and, but the tribal is very exclusive. Yeah. You know, you, it's your tribe and then it's everybody else. Yeah. And that was, that's, you know, that's what we don't want. So as integralists, we want to look at the views of the people we disagree with. We want to, as best we can, get behind their eyes and see the world and realize that, you know, people at a traditional level of development, and we're talking about centers of gravity, people are all over the place, yeah, but course. we have centers of gravity. Yeah. Uh, but they have, a, they see things differently, they receive different information, they process it differently, they come to different conclusions, and they really, it's, it's astonishing. We all look alike and we all grew up together, and, but we're actually, I always love the line from, I think it's a Rilke, who talked about considering the chasms that, uh, how does he put, hang on just a second. Considering the chasms that divide us, it's amazing that we could communicate at all. And there, there's something true about that with these worldviews that we, um, we just become appreciative of, oh my God, instead of, and, and so we, and one of the great things about that is we move from being critical to curious. Ooh, beautiful. You know, beautiful. so instead of, how could you say that? To, how could you say that? You know, what, what would they, you know, because I know you're not a bad person. I mean, you, 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 you raised me, you know, whatever. Uh, but how can you, you know, and so we get curious about that. And then if we're good enough at it, we actually see what they're seeing that we're missing. Yeah. You know. So to, uh, what I'd like to do having, is just zoom right out because I, I, I kind of feel like this is where what I play with and what you're embedded in are the same. Yeah. So I'm going to just zoom right out cool. and go one of the, narratives that I see the, within the whole thing, when we started off this conversation, what are we in? What is this that's happening to us? This is one of the very simple mythic motifs. I see it right back in the mythic. I see it coming through the scientific story, exactly the same. And I feel it's a, it's a key, which is that there is a, a movement between unconscious oneness through this conscious individuation to conscious oneness. Absolutely. And that, that's the big story, I see. Yep. So there's unconscious, potentially un-everything, mm-hmm. which will manifest as this journey of subject and object becoming more and more conscious until we're here, and then there's the po- opportunity to go, oh, hang on, I'm the whole universe. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. And, and what I love about that in terms of spirituality is that it feels like it doesn't come, whereas there's a lot of spirituality which I deal with, it seems embedded in the idea of the fall, it was all great, and then it kind of all messed up. Everybody thinks that. Yeah. And, we, and, rather, and what I love about the thing which you articulate and Ken articulates and evolutionary 
spirituality does generally. Is it, it turns that around and goes, no, 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 it's evolving. Yes. It's yes. Re- and, and the self and the body, these aren't bad things. These are foundations yes. from which you reach this. So you've got this lovely, positive, yes. hopeful yes. scenario. So the, the, the little thing I've been playing with in this latest phase of my life is, oh, can we frame it that we're the evolutionary process here, which is maybe, may, this is what I want to ask you really, is this part of integral or the integral stage? Uh, because I'm wanting to go, look, I think what's happening is that the individual, we've been through this age of individualism, which has been fantastic, and it's freed us from this collective unconscious because we're now thinking for ourselves more. We don't all wear the same clothes. We don't get, we're individuals. And that from that we can now move into a stage where we're what the, the word I've coined is univigils, which is individuals conscious of unity, unity with humanity with the natural world and even unity with the whole universe and that that jump is that 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 second tier in integral and the movement to the integral phase is that movement so that the individual births into something where you know you're more than just yourself exactly but you've got there by being more and more yourself exactly yes Hmm. no beautifully said and i uh, I, I'm very inspired by that. That's a wonderful transmission of that, actually. And, and we, and it, you know, it's that one in many thing, you know. We, the, so we, we have this, this Jeff thing. But the more I sort of challenge that, the more I look at this one's perspective and I look at this and I take it this culture. And, you know, now in, in our modern world, we have everything's available to us. We could sit at the knee of every teacher in history, yeah. you know, actually is that I, I stop identifying with my Jeff perspective. It's still there. You know, Joe and Jeannie gave it to me. Uh, but I, I, I've, I've tasted so many, I've drunk from so many wells now that I identify not with my perspective, but with the space within which perspectives arise. And so they're all available to me all of a sudden. You know, to the degree that I've, you know, kissed the frogs and they've turned into princes. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm beyond personal at this point. You know, we talk about transpersonal. It's a real thing. Yeah. And then at this point, you know, the Venn diagram of Tim and Jeff are we're, we're overlapping. And, and we do actually get into a new conscious oneness where all the particularities, you, you know, the original oneness, the oceanic oneness, and actually when I talked about going down the stages, we can go down to yeah. the, the oceanic oneness, yeah. where we're actually just waking up from, um, you know, yeah. uh, merger with nature, yeah. you know. And we actually want that too. Yeah. Yeah. But now we want it with all we of the it, sparkling... We want it consciously. Yeah, we want it consciously, with all of history online. Yeah. And that's a lot. <sighs> well... <laughs> I can't tell you how much I enjoy it. That's a basketful. I, I more than enjoy it. I have loved meeting this Jeff thing yes. and oh, all of you, his Jim. perspectives. Yeah. And uh, I, it's a beautiful vision. Yeah. Uh, the, the vision you're carrying in the world oh. is beautiful, inspiring, hopeful, yeah. and full of goodness. Yes. And it, just a delight to come and explore it with you. Oh, I'm so grateful that you did. Thank you so much, Tim. It's good to have you here in my home. <laughs>